I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Blue Shirts fans. And the Madison Street Maniacs. Welcome back to another episode of the Worst Hockey Podcast. I'm here with my host, Oh, God damn it. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> Too early, bro. I'm not I'm not even gonna cut it. I'm with yeah. here with my co host Nick. I just want Nick. you to know. Yeah. I could have fucked you up right there. Yeah, you could have killed me. Uh, but I'm not going to because I respect you. Look, we have too much going on here for that to derail the conversation. We have a lot to talk about today. Let's start with Corey Perry. Let's get it over with. Let's get it done. Let's get, let's just talk about it real quick because it's something that we were going to cover like an ep- a fucking episode or two ago, and I was like, look, let's let's not. We don't have the time to do this in the episode because we had those division breakdowns. So, so let's just leave it alone. Let's uh, let's just keep moving with it and, and let it develop a little bit. And now we have the development. So, what is the development, man? Take us from the beginning. Let's get a quick breakdown of what it was from the beginning, and then and then we'll talk about it right like for a second. Yeah, so it was um, kind of crazy. So I'm trying now. I'm trying to remember a little bit of it because I mean, for for what three four days straight, absolutely glued to my phone, sending you articles and and fucking videos and shit like that to watch, and then waiting for Kyle Davidson to speak to the media. Then of course the rumors that went that ran rampant. Um, it was crazy, right? So. Let's yeah, let's break it down from from the actual beginning, right? So apparently, now all of this, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that it is for absolute certain, right? Because none of us were in that room, none of us were in any sort of investigation, anything like that. So all all that I have to go on is speculation from any sort of beat writer, and typically the ones that I'll like, you know, remain close with are the obviously the ones from Chicago, just because they're you know they're they're closest to the situation not i'm not going to trust someone like um like uh like us like us yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> who just wants to speculate and run with one rumor because it gets clicks and views um so apparently around the time of the the, the last month in november so around the time of the nashville and buffalo back to back there was a team dinner that had you know obviously the team the front office who who traveled with the team and then also the uh, uh uh like the equipment managers and and the staff um apparently allegedly there was an altercation between Corey Perry and a member of the staff uh, from the time that they so there's two travel days in between Buffalo and Columbus so there were two travel days so Corey Perry was in the lineup that Wednesday, the 22nd for Columbus. And next thing you know, he gets pulled out as a healthy scratch as an unconditioned, or I'm sorry, as a, uh, what was it called? Organizational decision. 
yeah, organizational decision they made. Right, because you and I talked about it that weekend, and we were like, "What the fuck is an organizational decision? Like, you, why can't you tell us if that just something happened?" Right. So within, and now, <clears throat> excuse me. Given everything that's happened with Chicago, and as far as like, I don't know, interpersonal escapades, you could say. You know, with the Kyle Beach incident that happened in 2010, how it kind of stayed under wraps for like 10, 11 fucking years. And the way that it was handled under the old regime, and like I've told you before, and like I've said on here before, the league and fan bases, and even some of the, the even some of Chicago's own fan base does not trust this team when it comes to damage control. And when it comes, and when it comes to doing the right thing. So... Corey Perry gets pulled from from the uh, from the lineup. They conduct an investigation, and in six days, action is taken. So now, of course, within those six days, they are absolutely radio silent. They're not telling anything anything at all what happened. They just said it's a team decision. It's an organizational decision. Organizational decision. His health is fine. It's an organizational decision didn't say anything whatsoever so of course the rumor mill starts right oh they're trading him oh his his trade value's high they're just trying to find a suitor right and some fucking jackass on twitter starts one rumor about an 18 year old or in i'm sorry not about an 18 year old but like involving an 18 year old and that shit runs rampant albeit I was chuckling at the memes. You and I were sending the memes back and forth. They were funny. But at sure. the time, huh? Sure. They were funny for the time for the minute, right? Yeah. For, for that one, what was it? Three hours back and forth. Like, yeah. yeah, they were, they were funny. But then it got to the point of seeing like, Hey man, you understand that this is about like the, the number one overall draft pick who had just turned 18 years old who cannot play in the AHL. <laughs> and no, which, he can't. <laughs> which I, I didn't know that was a rule until you said that, and now it's just even funnier to me. But, you know, you're, you're, you're involving that. So, like, the, 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 of course, everyone knows what the rumor is, but I'll just touch on it real quick. Like, the rumor was that Corey Perry boinked Connor Bedard's mom. And that there was a whole entanglement issue going on that apparently surfaced on the fucking mom's trip. And then it came out. So then all so now Twitter, Instagram, basically any social media. I can't tell you how many fucking text messages I got within that that four or five days when the rumor came out. Dude, I can't tell you how many fucking text messages I got. Like, dude, did you hear blah, blah, blah. And then what was like real damning of like like real damning of it was like when when the Hawks finally came out and said that like hey we're we're terminating we're we're placing Corey Perry on waivers and then as soon as he passes waivers we're terminating his contract. Um one of my buddies texted me and he goes, "Oh my god, you need to go on Twitter right now." And I was like, "Okay." So like I I you know, I was at work. So I stopped what I was doing. I went on Twitter. I saw that. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Did he actually fuck Connor Bedard's mom? Like, that was like the thought process in my head was like, did he, did he actually? Yeah. And and so to, to catch up all on my side, too, you know, we're following this together. It's funny for a second. It gets real serious. It's like, all right, it's it's time to, you know, 
they come out, the family comes out, and basically, well, the organization for Chicago comes out and says, that's not what the fuck this is about. You guys are running with this. It's not cool. And yeah, whatever. Like, we thought it was funny for a second, too. I'm not going to lie. But then I agree with them. It's a point where you need to stop and relax. Like, it's right. this is a young 18 year old kid who has a hockey family. You know, that mom, she's that hockey mom. That's them fucking 4 a.m. getting ready to go to practices and games. Like, she's she's lived that life. Shouldn't deserve that. This kid does not deserve to be his entire career right now to be overshadowed by this stupid, like, allegation at the time that obviously isn't even true. But, again, two things. Number one, I think it's hilarious, not of the situation, but when we were at our last powerlifting competition at at Wobdell, um, your your mom was watching the game on her phone. And I don't know what fucking iPhone she has, bro, but she's watching it and it was like pixelated. No, you know funny, bro. Real quick, she doesn't even have like an old iPhone. I don't like, know. Yeah. Like, no, no, I don't... she has like an 11. Like, it's not really that old. I, wh- whatever the case may be, brother, but I'm walking by and obvi- the Rangers didn't play till 1 30. And this was like probably like 12 or something. I don't yeah, know what time it was. Yes, it was earlier. But then I so I walk by and I see your mom like watching the Hawks game on like a pixel. I'm like, listen, here you go. And I was like, I pulled it up on my phone. She goes, oh my god, it's so much better on your phone. I was like, here, take my phone, watch because you you know she's holding your kid while we're kind of getting ready to to lift and shit. So I'm like, here, take this, enjoy the game. She goes, oh my god, this is so amazing. She's showing your dad like, look how much better this is. This is so great. And I had about a, a two and a half minute conversation with your mom about about hockey, which I usually do. It's always pretty brief. We're talking. Sure. I'm like, yeah, Chicago, you know, do their things right now. And she's like, yeah. And then she's like, and those motherfuckers need to leave Connor Bedard alone. This fucking kid didn't do nothing wrong. And they're making up all this bullshit. She's like, I can't believe it. <laughs> she was going off, bro. And I oh, was yeah. like, yeah, you're, 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 you're right. Honestly, they need to leave this damn kid alone. And this whole, listen, if what they say is true, you know how I feel about the NHL. You know how I feel about coaches. These motherfuckers are liars. Gerard Gallant was my head coach for two seasons. That motherfucker was a liar. I don't trust these motherfuckers. They never tell you the truth. Right. When it comes to injuries, when it comes to shit like this, I never trusted. I never trust them. So when they put him, the fact that they put him on waivers and they said when he clears waivers, if he's not picked up, we're going to terminate his contract. I knew that they were serious. And I, and I back them up on this. And like you said, they handled this much, much better than they've handled past horrible oh, situations. Sure. Within but, six days, like within six days. Yes. Like it didn't take 10 years and for it to be uncovered from underneath a rug. It took six fucking days from the moment that it was reported to the moment that action was taken. It took six fucking days. Commendable. And I respect it. But here's my fundamental problem that I always have. And I'll always have with the NHL is that they go radio silent on shit that they do not need to go radio silent on. And for people like us, the everydayers, right? The lifers that are here every single day. at Corey Perry was shaping up to be that veteran for Connor Bedard to show him the way and possibly help lead this team in the veteran like department and the leadership department. Like I said, the Rangers have a locked in core of guys that lead the locker room spearheaded by Jacob Truba, our captain, right? You guys don't have a captain right now, but not only do you need a captain, you need a leadership team. And whether Connor Bedard was going to be the young captain coming into the league because they like he's got something that they want to follow you need veterans that are going to stick up and, you know, a good solid four, five, six people that are going to lead this team into the future. And Corey Perry was shaping up to be one of those guys, one of those veteran line guys that was going to be there. This is a huge hit to them. 
but I'm glad that they did what they needed to do. I just don't like the way that it was handled. Even though six days is quick, don't get me wrong. It's like, this is still my fundamental problem with the NHL is that we keep too much shit under wraps and we don't let the people who are here every single day watching these games know what they need to know. I think it's kind of stupid. And there's many reasons for the injuries. I know that's like, yeah, he's got a lower body. Maybe they don't want to say that it's his knee because if, if it was Adam Fox's knee and he come back into the lineup, they don't want someone targeting Adam Fox at the knee, right? Maybe that's why they do it. Maybe it's for protection. But at the same time, they may not care about giving us the information because they know, but we're over here like foaming at the mouth every time something happens and we don't know. And I just, I really am getting tired of it in the NHL. It's my biggest so, gripe right now. I like that point, but I want to counterpoint with this. We are not entitled to no fucking dick. We don't need to know anything that happens. As far as like, so like comparing this to like an injury report, I feel like isn't really fair, right? Like this is completely different. This involves more than just the player, right? This involves the organization. This involves the player. This involves another party, you know? So it's, um, there's a lot of moving places, a lot of moving pieces in play. And a lot of times it's like, you know, for instance, 10 fucking days later after the, after the fucking incident, you know, it gets reported that there was like, you know, obviously there was a, a, uh, uh, what's it called? Like, um, an, an altercation that took place between Corey Perry and, and a staff member. Well, the reason why now, now it makes sense is the reason why they kept it under wraps is because out of respect for that other person, you know, maybe that other person was just like, Hey, I don't want this to be out in the light right now. Like, I want to keep this one kind of like under wraps a little bit. And, and the Blackhawks organization did exactly that. And they, they, like I said, I commend them for the way that they handled it. In the same token, I don't necessarily like agree that we are owed every little bit of information as if we are in that locker room. You know what I mean? Well, uh, yes and no, because I, I get it in protecting those players. And listen, for someone to do something to not someone on the team, but someone a part of the organization, whether it was equipment coach, water boy, a fucking uh, ice sweeper, right? They deserve as much respect as anybody else on the team. And if it, the, the situation is true, they, he disrespected, got aggressive, or did whatever to someone who was a part of the organization that wasn't even in the lineup, not even a teammate or a coach. I a thousand percent back that because that's that's one thing. The organization is what it is because of everybody behind the scenes making sure that when they step on that ice, they're ready to go. Every role is important, and I a hundred percent respect that they did that. Honestly, I really do respect it. But the only difference I have, and it's the last thing I'll say, Chicago's organization does not belong to Bettman, does not belong to your GM, does not belong to your coach. It belongs to the fans. The fans are the reason why your organization is the way it is, and especially not to just be a dick and say something mean, but when you have a franchise that's doing very bad and you have lifers like Chicago fans coming every single day saying, we're hopeful for the future, we are here, we're buying your tickets, we're buying your jerseys, we're making sure that this team can do what they need to do and on the back end are being supported by a franchise that has a rich history, I think we deserve to know. That's my personal opinion. And again, you have yours. That's fine. We can disagree on that. But I personally agree that this organization belongs to the fan. That's what the number one thing. Hockey, all sports, those teams aren't yours anymore. They belong to the fans. The people that are everydayers that come out and support the diehard, the face painters, the, the tailgaters, those, that's what the team belongs to. And they deserve a little bit of respect because at least 
Sure, they didn't need to handle it in day one. They need to handle it in day two. But they could have said, look, this is an organizational decision, okay? Corey Perry was doing something. They could have mentioned it in another way that they didn't have to break it down. But we didn't know when those allegations are running rampant. We didn't know if it was like a trading him type of thing. Just push us in the right direction. We don't need to know everything, but we need to know something, in my personal opinion. But, But Davidson did that, though. He came out in his presser, and the first thing that he said was, Hey, look, I can't dive. I can't dive deep into exactly what happened right now. But one th- one thing I can tell you is that it did not involve another player and their family, and that those rumors are fucking hell. What did he say? But he was like, they were egregious and disgusting. And so, so they did come out and they did try. They did put those to rest. But I mean, you also got to think too. Like I said, we're not part of that front office, so we don't really know exactly what's happening, right? So within those six days, they probably didn't right away. Probably didn't see any of those rumors because you got to remember it was some dipshit on fucking Twitter that came up with it. So it's yeah, they never that's true. saw. They never saw it. Probably, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm making excuses for him because I'm I'm a little bit not as gun shy with the new regime, and and maybe I'm I'm trying to put like a little bit more trust into them. No, um, you're, you're being fair. You're being very fair, and and I agree with that well, because he not, did try to he did try to damage control. Um, maybe I just don't believe fair. it because of the NHL. I don't believe these fuckers, so maybe that's on me, not them, right? Well, I'll leave it at this. It's not fair to judge this team on the errors of the past, and I understand that the errors that I speak of right now is covering up a sexual assault. I understand that, but on the flip side. Once the Kyle Beach incident came to light, action was fucking taken. Coach Key was fired from Florida. Bowman was fired. McDonough was fired. Every all, all of the front office that was involved in any of that are gone. All of the team members, all of the I'm sorry, all the players that were involved in that are no longer on the team. Are either retired or playing for Detroit. So, like, anyone that was involved as far as, like, those cup runs or especially in 2010, they're no longer on the team anymore. Your longest tenured Blackhawk is Connor Murphy, who's been there for, I want to say, five to seven years. This is a whole new regime. This is a whole new. You got to treat this like a fucking brand new franchise, basically. Like, this team is completely different. They do not. the, The players and the front office and the coaching staff does not deserve the bullshit and the hate that it's getting right now because of the way that they handled the Corey Perry situation because they were gifted a set of cards that were fucking bullshit. It's not their fault. They didn't ask to have some another fucking scandal. They didn't. They didn't ask for for any sort of ridicule. They didn't ask to be their their feet held to the flame after the Kyle Beach incident. Okay, they did everything properly. They did everything that they were supposed to do. They conducted an investigation. They alerted the NHLPA and the NHL. The investigation uh, uh, investigation took place and concluded. Action was taken. Six days it took. That's fair. And and you know what? That's perfect. We'll leave it at that. I agree with you. Again, I just... I'm very weary of what they say because I do not trust the NHL, and that's my own personal gripes, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's fair. It's valid. It's 100% valid. I got two things about the NHL that I'm, I'm just that just bother me at this organization, the sport that I love. It's the lying that comes from the back office and the motherfucking officiating. And those two things sure. are going to bother me until they get fixed. But other than that, that's not an issue for today. I would like to say really quick that we are approaching opening night for the Professional Women's Hockey League, PWHL. 
that's something that we both agree. And this is going to be news to the audience. And this is something we want to let you guys know. That's something that we're very excited for the professional women's hockey league. We are going to be covering that maybe not in great depth at first, because look, it's basically like the, the, like the NHL getting a new team, right? We don't know everything. The only difference is at least when there's a new franchise added to the league, we know a lot of the players, right? This is totally different. These are going to be a lot of new players we've never heard of before, which is not a bad thing. We're going to, it's going to be brand new for us. It's going to be like watching hockey for the first time because it's going to be an only women hockey league, but it's going to be a professional women's hockey league. This league is going to be taken seriously. Women are now going to have the chance to show and compete after colleges, right? Because it only, it only goes so high for women. You get to like college and, and maybe like the Olympics and those teams and stuff. But once you reach past that, there's no like professional league for women. There's no more development for women after that. And this is supposed to solve that, which the, the, the New York, version again these teams don't even have names yet it's so new everything is so new the new york team is going to be opening night january 5th against the toronto team which let me just cover real quickly there's going to be a boston minnesota montreal ottawa toronto and new york team that's going to be the original six for this hockey league and they're talking about logos and they're talking about team names but i really think that they're just trying to get this league out here get it started see if there's any like you know if anybody even cares and wants to you know even watch this, but I, I just sent you something the other day that said that opening night for, I don't even know which team was it. Was it the Toronto New York game that sold out? I don't or, think it was, but they were like 98% sold out on tickets. Yeah. Either one of, one of these opening night games is 98% sold out smaller arenas, of course, but still this is good. Oh, news. it was Toronto. It, uh, yeah. Toronto sells out <laughs> season ticket memberships in two days. Yeah, That's what it was. So Toronto. Um, and again, I'm kind of all over the place right now, but this is a lot to cover. The Toronto team has, um, a player, her name is Sarah Nurse. You'll recognize her from being on NHL cover 23 with Trevor Zegris. She is a very, very good hockey player. She <laughs> is known right now as pretty much the face of women's hockey. So they're running. It's, it's, she's the Connor Bedard of, of hockey, right? But she's a little bit more seasoned. She's, she's a veteran basically in her sport. And she's going to be like that, that face of hockey for a long time until proven otherwise. But I think me and you are going to follow New York. You don't have a Chicago team yet. So I think you're probably going to follow New York along with me. For sure. sure. Um, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is this is good. This is very, very good for this is very good for the sport of hockey in general, right? Women deserve this outlet. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I can see that maybe that the NHL is going to have some support in this. I don't think they're going to have very much skin in the game, but it looks like they're going to be very supportive of this league and help nurture it. Actually, it's kind of sucky for me. I don't like it, but the the New York PWHL team was actually at the Bridgeport Islanders game. They were invited out, which is the farm team for the New York Islanders. Don't like that, right? I want, I want you to be around uh, the New York Rangers, but still New York team, New York team showing them love. Um, it's it's good for hockey. It's good for the sport. It's good for women. It gets women into the sport. Not only that, more women will watch hockey. More women will have the opportunity to make hockey their career. And then that just grows the sport 
and grows the love for the sport even bigger than it is now, which I think is absolutely great. What do we say, Breezy? Hockey's for everyone. Ho- yeah, no, that's the thing. We on this podcast say hockey is for everyone, and we actually mean it. We actually mean it. We live in by that. We actually mean that everyone deserves it. Everyone's invited, and this is going to be so sick. So we're going to work out the kinks on what this looks like. I'm I'm going to have to figure out how to watch these fucking games. I don't know if I have to subscribe to whatever, if they're going to be on regular TV or however they're going to do this, but I'm going to cover them. I'm going to watch them. I know Nick's going to be right there with me. And When I, you find I, from, out, let me know. Absolutely. And from the bottom... If- I don't know if they. Re- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I don't no, know if good. they released where it's going to be. They did like, it. Televised, of course not. They did it. Not yet. But I'll be watching like a fucking hawk, and I'll make sure that I see where this is. And absolutely, I'm absolutely going to dive right into this because it's going to be so cool. I really do think that this is going to be great for everyone involved, and it's it's awesome. It really is awesome. I hope it actually expands too. Yeah, like I I'd love it, exactly. I, I'd love for Chicago to have a professional women's hockey league team. Exactly. Then maybe we'll have a chance to see uh, New York and Chicago actually win something important by this team. We can put all our eggs in that basket. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got to clear <laughs> up the space on my fucking Chicago arm just so I can there you go. logo on it. <laughs> you got to have to cheese grate some other shit off because you're getting low on room there, buddy. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to be it's going to be really fun because like I said, and, and, you know, anyone who listens to this podcast will will understand where you and I sit on an everyday basis. And we do believe with our heart of hearts that the hockey is for everyone. And if you, and and to be honest with you, I'm not trying to alienate anyone, but if you do not believe that hockey is for everyone, you have the wrong podcast you are subscribed to. Cause we're going to say some shit that's going to fucking piss you off. If you do not believe that hockey is for fucking everyone. That's the fundamental. Yeah. Fundamentally all the way down. It's that you can have any belief that you want. We can have a conversation, but you're not going to gatekeep any peoples from enjoying the sport, man, woman, child, whatever they believe, whatever their sex, whatever they identify as they're, they deserve to watch and play hockey. And we believe that. And that's, that's the only thing we're going to die on that hill. We're going to have some meatball takes. We're going to argue. It's just our opinion. I believe this is fact. Hockey's for everyone. Period. All right. That's a good one. I'm going to, we're going to, scoot along here because i didn't want to that's a good way to end on that one uh, um, let's move to what i think and this is why i've been talking about this you can see teams leading to this we've been alluding to this in past episodes this is the future of the nhl right this is what the nhl is so this speed, is the story of a girl yeah she cried a river she drowned the whole world in the <laughs> nhl okay <laughs> and now that there's women in the in the nhl she can cry a river and drown the whole world anyway So speed and goals is at an all-time high. Hockey has never been more exciting than now. The upsets are crazy. And again, I'm not going to dive into this at all, but I mean, you can see San Jose is coming to not fuck around anymore. And that was my point. Any team can just light it up because the speed is there. The amount of goals that are being scored is there. Um, We're going to see over the next couple seasons a real change in the NHL. You're seeing it now. If you're watching hockey now, you already see it, whether you know it or not. That feeling of like, wow, this is getting really, really, really exciting, right? That is happening. Unfortunately, on the back end, we're seeing what else is happening, which is honestly the death of the enforcer. There are very few enforcers left in this league. Ryan Reeves is still here. Maroon is still here. But even Ryan Reeves isn't, isn't fighting like he used to, right? It's the, the, the game has changed. There are still hard-nosed teams. You'll still see hard-nosed battles from original six and rivalry teams. You'll still see that happening. 
But the amount of stuff that you can get away with in the NHL now is is under a microscope. Again, it goes back to the officiating, wrong or right. Again, I'm not on the ice making these calls. These are not easy things to do. I'm watching from a, a bird's eye view of everything going on. These guys are seeing what's happening just in front of them. But right now, the NHL is making a complete 180 shift from being – it's still a hard-nosed sport. It's still dangerous. It's still crazy. But we're putting all our eggs into let's be faster. Let's score more. Let's, you know, north-south hockey all day. That's what we're doing. Rushes back sure. and forth. Breakaways have never been more like they are. There's never been, you know, odd man rushes the way that there has been now with there being no, like, you know, a 90s two-line pass rule and shit, you know. So <laughs> besides the icing, if you can get there before someone else, you can literally fire it from your net to the other net. It don't matter. So the speed is there. Again, the death of the enforcer is happening. But I think it's also leading us into that new front. And I think it's going to be spearheaded. And I believe that it's being shown now by every team by the offensive defenseman. This is something that I think, and I'm being, I've seen on other teams. It's not your defensemen don't just defend anymore. Now your defensemen are expected to contribute on the point sheet, whether it be from apples or from finding them in the back of the net, from firing from the blue line. It is an, it's not a rule, right? You don't have to do it, but the teams that are succeeding are the teams that have it. The teams that have those. The Rangers are a perfect example. Keandre Miller, he finds him in the back of the net a lot. Adam Fox has been doing this for years, which is what, and if you think about it, that's what puts him in the top 10 of all defensemen in this league because he can contribute not just defensively, but offensively, right? right. So the, the shift that's happening in the league is going to be something that everyone needs to catch up on and needs to get with or they're going to fall behind. I think it's part of that next level up that the league is going through right now. And I, I just I want to put it in your hands. What do you think about that? Am I wrong? Is that right? Am I on base? Am I off track? So, sorry, I'm just trying to like. I'm trying to like replay everything you said in your head so I can formulate words. But um, one thing I will say. Yeah. OK, so. Goal scoring is that I would like to say is that kind of like an all time high so far, at least in the past five years. Right. You have, you know, you have three goals where we're 20, 24 games in 23 to 30 ish. Right. 23 to 30, depending on the team um, games into the season so far. You have your top three teams who average three point eight ish goals a game. Right. You got your Kings the Detroit Red Wings and the Vancouver Canucks and, and all of those a hundred percent attributes to just faster play, faster, you know, faster trips down the ice and a hundred percent North South hockey. No, not so much East West anymore. Um, as far as like death of the enforcer aspect of it, I, I wouldn't say that the enforcer is dying. I, you know, cause obviously if the enforcer was dying, you'd see a hell of a lot more slew foots. You, you'd see a hell of a lot more, um, intend to injure hits without any sort of repercussions whatsoever. I do believe that the enforcer is there, but it is not nearly as much as it was there in the nineties and two thousands. Let me, let me jump in real quick. Cause I want to say the role yeah. of the enforcer is dying. We don't keep people on our team just to be an enforcer anymore. That's not no. what it is about. Your team has to become that your defenseman. You have people that step up. It's more spread out. Everyone's expected to kind of pay the piper now, at least on my team. Right. I, I know that, that we kind of spread that, that responsibility 
But the fact you cannot in hockey have just a def- an enforcer role and succeed because you need people who contribute defensively, offensively. You need offensive, defensive, defensive, offensemen. You know, like so the role of the enforcer is dying because you cannot afford to fill your lineup with just a guy who's there to fight. That's what I meant. I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I didn't clear that up, but that's what I meant about the death of the enforcer. Well, no, if if you didn't fucking cut me off and let me finish my thought, then you would un- you would see that what I was trying to say is give or take about the same thing that you said, right? I wouldn't say that the enforcer is dying per se. I would say that the role of the enforcer is changing. So instead of literally just being on the roster to fight, you know, Doug Glatt fucking style. uh, (laughs) Doug the thug thug in this bitch. Doug the thug in this bitch. But, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's you, you just have guys on your team to fight, right? So a la Ryan Reeves, four years ago um you you now you're kind of requiring your enforcer or your tough guy to to be a little bit more of a benefactor on ice right whether it's picking up an assist or or getting a greasy goal in the bat in at in, in the top of the crease whatever the case may be but you're 100 percent right i would like i said i wouldn't call it a death of an enforcer i would say call it an enforcer change um just because you got you have teams that fear guys and I, I use fear as like as loose right but you you definitely you play with a little bit more of walking on eggshells if you have a player like Jacob Truba on the ice or like a Tom Wilson or or even sometimes like a Ryan Reeves and of course all that's going to do is just open up lanes for them to take shots and to to find goals um Ever, you know, ever, ever since that's been happening, I would say probably maybe the last, what, you want to call it maybe three years, you started seeing the shift from just a fighter to now uh, a hard-hitting goal scorer. Yeah, um, exactly. Three seasons, yeah, I would say. So, I don't know. Like, obviously, that that role is never going to leave, right? Because then you have players like Connor Bedard, like Connor McDavid, Matthews, Nylander, all your high-goal-scoring effort guys. They're obviously going to be taking hits, right? Against guys like Brady and or Matthew Kachuk, Ryan Reeves, uh, Jacob Truba, um, you know, just like the hard nosed guys. And mm-hmm. they're they're going to take hits. There there could be a possibility for injury. There could be a possibility for a hit that it has intent to injure, and they need to answer the bell for. Um, you know, I I believe that like one of the things that the Hawks are missing heavily right now is is that hard nosed guy. Like, you had that in Corey Perry, and then Corey Perry decides to be a drunk. So, okay, so now you have that in Nick Foligno. Nick Foligno's still an older guy though. I really don't see him dropping mitts unless he absolutely has to. So you start developing that from within, and we have a guy named Jared Tenorti, big fucking body. And can throw his fucking weight around if he needs to, that he's starting to get more NHL showtime. So now you kind of instill that into him a little bit, right? It's like, okay, you're still a goal scorer, you're still a defenseman, but we need you to lay the body down if you need if you if you have to lay the body down. And and your goal right now is to is to protect CB98. That's your goal. That's your that's your job right now. And, you know, eventually responsibilities do get doled out a little bit more. So it's like, hey, you know, we're going to put you on power play two. Hey, you're on PK one, whatever. Right. Um, That's my take. That's my whole thing on like the the death of the uh, of the enforcer. Um, I will say this, too. 
is that like the role that the changing role of the enforcer kind of goes hand in hand with an offensive defenseman right because I, I i don't know if it's just me but a lot of times like i think of like an enforcer as a defenseman right so you got like this big body you know maybe doesn't skate as fast but knows how to skate and can wreck your shit in fucking 0.3 seconds if he absolutely needs to um and now can score goals set up shots you know, pad his stats with assists, whatever the case. So the offensive defenseman aspect of it, I'm really liking like with the way that the NHL is going, which is why I really feel like the goal scoring um, numbers have been skyrocketing this year, about what, 30 games in. Um, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I get, you know, for, okay. So for instance, right. You know, Kevin Korchinski, who's a, he's a rookie for the Hawks. Um, you got drafted the same, I think, in the same round as as Connor Bedard. They played in, in the juniors together and shit. Um, he's now on power play. He, dude, he's bust, busting his fucking ass. He's on power play one now, starting with Seth Jones every night. It's fucking sick. Um, but uh, the other the other game against uh, this this most recent game against Anaheim, he he crashed towards the fucking net and looked like a damn forward. And it was like, dude, you're a fucking defenseman. Where did you get this speed from? Like, I'm talking to other Hawks fans on Twitter. I'm just like, where the fuck did, has he always had this speed? Like, and not just speed, but burst power for a defense. For sure. And, and that's, it's a perfect segue into what I was going to say too. So uh, just to talk about the Rangers for a second, because that's what I do. I'm the resident expert on that. I, we have a lot of defensemen that try to contribute offensively right adam fox everybody knows adam fox okay we have Braden schneider a young guy they call him baby truba he plays a hard-nosed game like jacob truba does not as aggressive doesn't always put out as many hits but he's willing to scrap and hit if you saw him on the ice and the screen was blurry like the game that your mom was trying to watch the other day on her phone and you didn't <laughs> know you would think that Braden schneider is jacob truba by the way he plays the game Every, you know shooting from the blue line when there's not much not much else to do. There's no pass, and there's a kind of a little bit of a little bit of disruption in front of the net. And they want to get something deep. Um, he'll do that. He'll shoot from the line. Uh, Adam Fox is a little bit more calculated. Um, and when he was out in this last little stint, when he was hurt, he really saw. Because I I harp on Adam Fox all the time. Pe- people know that he's really good. I harp on him because I see the mistakes he makes. Because I break him down under a microscope. Right? He's on my team. He's on the Rangers. But seeing him out of the lineup, and though guys did step up to fill his spot, Eric Gustafson was the guy that came up this year and, and filled his spot, which I really like the guy. Comparatively, when you see, I'm like, all right, maybe Adam Fox makes three mistakes out of every 10 tries, right? And a lot of other defensemen make like five mistakes out of 10, right? And it's hard because the, the game is so fast and, and you have to make a quick reaction. But right. Adam Fox is much superior to most defensemen, even on our own team. Right. So I got to sure. cut him some slack on that and give him that. But he's a playmaker. He'll take the puck. He does the same thing that Eichel or Bedard or Panarin does where he has the puck. He draws aggro to himself and you're, they're worried about what he's going to do because it's Adam fucking Fox. Right. So I'll give him the accolades on that. But even still, another player that I want to highlight is Keandre Miller. Keandre Miller, 79 for New York Rangers. He's a defenseman. 
but he used to play as a forward for most of his hockey career. And I think when he got up to college, they were like, hey, you'd probably be a good defenseman. He switched it up really, really late in life, which isn't very common for people to do. I mean, a lot more, you're seeing a lot more that players like, I can play left and right wing. I don't care. It doesn't matter. And they can do that. They might just be saying that to stay in the lineup, but that's pretty common at this point that newer players are saying I can play left or right wing. It's not common for a forward to become a defenseman and then not only be a defenseman and be a very good defenseman, but to also transition to offense. Like you said, off the rush, the Rangers may enter the zone and Keandre Miller might take it to the net and finish off a goal outside the paint that you're like, that's not a place the defenseman should be. But the way that they play the game is that we'll rotate guys that are forwards back to being defensemen for a second. Let Keandre get his thing. He'll peel off, get back to the blue line. The other defenseman will switch sides. Our forward will get back in. And you'll see the moving parts of it. Instead of it being like a two at the line, two at the dots, and one parked in front of the net, it's more of like a dance where our offense and defense are cycling in, especially off of rushes. And that's because... The role of defenseman is no longer just defend our goalie from being scored on, defend from odd man rushes, give our goalie a chance on breakaways. It's more about contributing points. Uh, another kid, Zach Jones, who went back down to the AHL, couldn't stay in the lineup, unfortunately. He does the same thing. He doesn't mind firing it at the blue line and just trying to get the puck there. And I think the mentality that the Rangers have with that is what is also helping them win these games. Because there's a lot of games the Rangers have played this season Albeit their record looks amazing on the outside, but I watch every game. There's a lot of games that they shouldn't win, but the pure resilience, keeping in the game, scoring chances keep being high. Because if you keep the chances high, the chances to score a goal, you're going to score more goals. It's just simple, right? Right. And other teams, uh, Niels Lundqvist used to be an ex-Ranger place for Dallas now. You know, he's got, I think, eight points right now. No goals, but eight points, right? Brett Burns has got 12 with five goals. Like, you can look around the league and you'll be – It'll be harder to find goalies with zero points than it is to find guys who are contributing, whether it is apples or whether it is actual back-of-the-net goals. And that is what I think is going to really – and like and attributing to your point, honestly, that is why that's, the scoring is so high now. That is the, the missing piece. Like why is the scoring so high? It's because 100%. defensemen are scoring. Yep. Hundred percent. And if if they're not scoring, they're setting up some nasty shots, and they're they're setting up opportunities for for any sort of goal, whether it be greasy increase, lively board action, or the slick one timer from from Ovi's office. You know what I mean? So, um, that's why I believe that like wholeheartedly. Because before, when did you really ever see like a defenseman grace eight points this early in the season? If you're not Brent Burns or Eric Carlson or just a, a freak. You know exactly. I mean? Yeah. And that's that's what's like those guys, the Burns and the Carlsons of the league are spearheading this movement. And I think sure. whether knowingly or not, everyone is following suit. I don't think that people are saying we got to have guys more like Carlson, but it just makes sense. If you want to compete and you want to stay relevant in this league, not only do you have to have a great offense, your defense has to be defensively good and make good defensive decisions but also know when it's time to get in deep get to the net and not only just shoot from the blue line but to cycle in and do things like right. the, the role of defenseman still stays it's your just it's your responsibility to get back and, and defend but you have a much a much more much. important responsibility I'm, i don't know words can't be said this early in the morning but your responsibilities are much more than they were before. You also have to contribute if you want to keep your team in the running to even get a chance to enter the playoffs this year. Yeah, because, I mean, look, the goalies 
have only progressed as time went on, right? So, I mean, as far as, like, different training, different kind of equipment that they wear, whatever the case may be, but goalies have only progressed as time has gone on. So you obviously have to get... You have to get more creative when it comes to goal scoring. So, of course, now what's there left to do? You got to get your defense involved on scoring chances now. And so, yeah, so I, I agree. The The role of the defenseman has not changed. It has only kind of more tweaked than anything else. Sure. And again, this is this might just be meatballish. It might be from the eyes of meatball people, but I mean, you can't deny the numbers. You, you can't deny what's happening in the league. You can't deny that defensemen have, have made a step up in a lot of different ways on a lot of different teams. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't just happen to be that the teams that don't have those defensemen stepping up are the ones that are closer to the bottom of their standings. You know, it, it, it directly correlates in my opinion from everything that I've seen and all the stuff that's happening this year. I do believe that that is the way that the, the league is going to go. And if you don't have defensemen that are contributing, at least getting points, at least giving you chances, then it's it's not going to work out well. Even so, you have seen, at least I have, I'm not saying Igor Shesterkin is bad now, right? But he lets a lot more goals in. And I think that's a mental thing. He lets a lot more goals in than he normally would. When he shuts the door, he shuts the door. I'm still going to stand on that when he decides that, no, enough is enough. But the sheer amount of things that he has to do before it was just Igor defending. And it was the sheer fact that Igor would not let anything in the back of the net. And the Rangers were just like, eventually we're going to find one in the back of theirs is why we won so many games two seasons ago, even last right. season, right? It's just, he just gives you a chance to win. That's what goalies do. They always give you a chance to win the last line of defense. But this year it's different. Scoring is high. I mean, we beat San Jose by one goal. And it was a high-scoring game. It was like an 11-goal game. You know, it's right. that's San Jose Sharks, the worst team in the league by standings. I'm not being not. mean. That's that's real. <laughs> that's hey, how it look. is. Hey, real quick, speaking on on defensemen, real quick, I have um, some news about 13 minutes ago from Charlie Romeliotis, who's a beat writer for the for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Blackhawks place defenseman. Go figure. Kevin Korchinski on the non-roster list and recall Isaac Phillips from AHL's Rockford Ice Hogs. I think they're going to let him play in the World Juniors. That's good. That is good. That's fucking huge. Hell yeah, That's do a, it now yeah. when your team is rebuilding and, you know, wins don't really matter right now. Hell yeah. That's huge. I hope they're I hope that I hope word of god breezy. I hope that's the fucking case. I hope that's what the non-roster <laughs> move means. Yeah. <laughs> It's that they're just letting him go and play for Team Canada because I'm going to fucking lose it if it's something else. <laughs> and a, a quick pivot point to right here, since we're doing pretty good on time, I would like to say that it is very important as as much as everything I've said about defensemen, as much as everything I've said about the movement of the league. Another thing that matters more than has ever mattered before. You're seeing it with the Ice Hogs. I'm seeing it with the Wolfpack. I don't, and I don't know. A lot of people might not cover the AHL as much. I know that we do here and there. I'm, I'm all over Hartford. I know you've been watching Ice Hogs a lot more this year, but yeah. utilizing, okay, the trade deadline is going to come. You're going to make changes. You're going to make trades. It's just how hockey go, right? But right now, the amount of depth across the AHL, the amount of depth on all teams in the AHL, has literally never been higher. The Rangers have some amazing prospects down in Hartford 
in Connecticut. It, they have amazing prospects that they can utilize, and you've seen them do it all this season during injury. We are pulling up guys that are making the lineup and doing the right thing. Braden Schneider, Igor Shosturkin, Keandre Miller, all these guys, and I know a lot more. I, I'm not even thinking of, I'm sure. But a lot those guys have come from the AHL to be in the lineup and have never went down. That like the could be best goalie in the league, at least top three, at least top five. If you really want to fucking split hairs with me, Igor Shosturkin came from Hartford and never went down. That's what's happening in the AHL. Another step that teams are going to have to make is looking within their franchise. And I know that they keep them there so that they have them when they need them. But I don't think teams are utilizing the AHL as, as well as they could. I do believe the Rangers are doing it. And I think that Chicago has caught on and they're doing the same thing too. But that's going to be another big plus for all these teams moving forward is when you need that depth, go within your organization. You don't always need to trade for a veteran guy on a different line who's going to take up cap space, right? Get a guy who's going to come in, have him play well next year, give him an entry-level deal, and you, you, you can't lose, right? You literally can't lose. Right. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I've noticed well is that, um, you know, the Hawks are really utilizing Rockford, and, and you love to see it. You really do, because it's so far. If there's one thing that the Blackhawks have been lacking that I've seen for the past at least five, six years has been depth scoring. And the one thing that I've been seeing so far this season is that, oh, my God, you don't have to rely on your first line of Bedard, Kurashev, and Reichel, or Bedard, Kurashev, and Felino, or whoever you pair with those two. You don't have to rely on your first line scoring, which is nice. Of course, does it fucking, is it amazing? Of course. Who wouldn't love to see Connor Bedard get on the point sheet every fucking night? You know, especially in his first year. But the one thing that I've been noticing is that a lot of our goals have been coming from the third and fourth line, your back six. It's been fucking amazing to see. And all of those players have either come from, like, you know, bullshit little deals because some team didn't want them, right? So, like, like for instance, like Jason Dickinson, right? You know, he was drafted by Dallas in, 20, in um, 2013. You know, he's kind of been like a journeyman up and down in Dallas's organization, moving from team to team. Has went on a fucking November to remember, sir. That was a goddamn Lexus November to remember deal. Hell yeah, brother. And... On, on all he's been showing is that he's been carrying on to this to you know into december and he's he's got some like real fuck he's real fucking gnarly dude um you know you have a line that consists of you know joey anderson who is a, a career rockford ice hog who came up and and is just is doing things that go unnoticed on a score sheet right which is what you love to see. I, I I don't know about anyone else, but I love seeing like, okay, whatever. You don't have a point, but I do remember when you finished your check on this player that led to this chance, or you know, you just you you're you're set up pass um, to uh, fucking Isaac Phillips or Kevin Korchinski that set up fucking Tyler Johnson for uh for a nasty one timer and a Jason Dickinson to put the rebound away. Like whatever the case may be, but you're seeing a lot more of like the the hard nosed prove it aspect of of the NHL now, and and I love it. Yeah, and that's like that was me harping about Tyler Mott for the last two seasons. They called him up every trade deadline to come over. Again, 
ama- not amazing on the scoring sheet. If you look up the stats, it's not amazing. But seeing what he does on the ice, like he's a battler. He's battling. He's 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 making things happen. He's trying to get the puck out of the zone. And even right now, Barclay Goudreau, who's unfortunately took a puck to the face and he's out, but he'll oh, be back. Tough. He's 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 a tough guy. But Barclay Goudreau usually wears an A on his sweater because of the things he does in the defensive zone and pushing and penalty killing. And if you break all this down here. Really what it comes down to is, yeah, the scoring is high. you got to keep the scoring high, right? Scoring high means you have a, you know, Connor McJesus line and you have a dry sidle, right? But that's not enough. A Nylander, a Matthews, that's just not enough, right? you got to have that defense. Your defense has got to be strong. Your goalie has to be strong. Not only that, your defense has to not just defend, they have to contribute offensively. Not only that, right? If you need the depth, you got to pull it up from your affiliate, you know, AHL team. Not only that, when you get to that point, a team, a team, in my opinion, that's good, really good, that is going to go the distance, is a team that has four lines that can score. I've said this a million times to my dad. I said, look, it's a dangerous team when it's not just Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. If it's Mika Zibanejad's line, if it's Artemi Panarin's line, if it's Barclay Goudreau's line, if it's the line that you put Jimmy Vesey on, whatever it may be, right? If the guy playing with Panarin can score and Panarin can score, if your fourth line can put pucks in the back of the net, you can't stack the be- you know you can't stack Sydney Malkin Latang against Chris Kreider Mika Zibanejad and whoever they're having as their third right now because now line two has Artemi Panarin on it line three has another guy who's scoring right now like it's it's a dangerous team when you can score on all four lines and when you can battle back from being scored on I think that's another big thing that's happening now is you'll see teams get ahead right get two goals ahead yeah. which which they call the worst lead in sports. Because two goals ahead does not always mean you're going to win the game. We've seen that a million times across many different games. But battling back from that, because offensively, we can score seven goals a game. And no one can stop us if you're not clicking right. So it's a combination of all those things. And I'm glad you brought that up about the line depth. Because if you have a fourth line that can score, you're a dangerous team. Period. Point blank. Simple. Yep. Yep. I fucking agree wholeheartedly because and and you said it exactly like you have like you know the mcdavid dry conundrum in your first line they put all of their eggs into that basket to be like you're our you're our goal scorers you you got to win these games for us and we'll try to package in some some quality defense on the back end to try to help you out we'll try to put a goalie behind you but you know we put all of our money into you two you know that is the perfect example of just of you have no depth and and you need that depth in order to win games and their their record reflects it right i mean for for a while it was kind of sitting there you know within the first i think like two or three weeks of the season they were battling the sharks for last place and you're sitting there like dude is is mcdavid gonna is is mcdavid getting dealt at the deadline is dry gonna get dealt at the deadline like what's happening here there you know you see all these reports of like best fits for both of them you know i, I want to say i haven't been keeping up on the on the the oilers just because like I don't know. I don't really give a fuck about the Oilers and I need to get out of that mindset. Fair, but, <laughs> but I, understand. I uh, you know, I, I want to say that they've been halfway decent as of late, but still relying heavily on that, on that first line to get any sort of goal scoring started. And, and, you know, but you have a team that's struggling, obviously like, like Chicago, that's getting that depth out of their third and fourth line and getting that scoring out of there. And, you know, either either it's a, you know, a comeback, you know, or a, a tie game late 
or you know taking the game early but then giving it up you know and then it just solely relies on your defense and your goaltending and it and it shows that Arvid Soderblom is not the guy of the future and it sucks because I really liked him as a goalie but you know it's it's just he's not and I get it like you know you want to be rational. You want to be like, it doesn't matter because the more that you lose, the better chance you get to get a number one overall draft pick again. But at the same token, I'm fucking tired of losing. I'm tired of watching every game and being like, all right, how bad are we going to get fucking stomped on by St. Louis tonight? You know, but I, you know, I want to see like, you know, fucking trade for Louis Domingue trade for, you know, fucking package some shit together, trade for Georgiev or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean, just put something together, get a quality back in, get a quality second man for Peter Morazic because per- Peter Morazic is 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 playing his fucking ass off, and it showed last game against the Ducks with a one nothing shutout, and it's his first shutout as a member of the Blackhawks. Now, mind you, he's been on the Hawks for two years. <laughs> yeah, and that's, his, that's his first fucking shutout. And he just looked so athletic and fluid and just so like he is meant to be there. And I get it. He's a goalie, whatever. They're supposed to look like that. But but you 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 can you can argue with me. You cannot argue that sometimes you see a goalie and be like, fuck, man, you look so awkward in that. And facts. Yeah. When I'm watching when I'm watching Peter Morazic this year, for some reason, dude, it looks like he's just like, I'm a fish in water. This is great. I love this so much. And. You know, sometimes, I mean, does every goalie let in that little sneaker that you're just kind of like, motherfucker, I should stop that. Or does every goalie get fucking absolutely shit on every now and then? Sure. No team is ever going to win 82 games, dude. Sorry. That's not that's not going to fucking happen. You go on stretches, uh, win or lose, you go on stretches, and you just you just try to find what works and fix what doesn't. And Peter Morazic so far this year has been looking exactly like that and has been like my, my fit. And I've been, I oh, buddy, I'm the first, I will tell you, I did not like him. I was not a big Peter Morazic fan. I thought that he was kind of washed up in a sense. Um, After he left Detroit, I was like, well, that's fucking it. You know, when you lose your job to Jimmy Howard, that kind of that says something. And so, you know, and I will say that, you know, not like he needs my fucking graces in order to play a fucking game that and he has no idea who I am. But I will say that he has earned like I, I have become a big Peter Morazic fan this year. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I've seen it and I even said like, yeah, he's letting some shit in, but you can tell that he's good. Right. You can tell that he has it right there. I, again, playing with the team in front of you that he has, it, it's hard. They got to get there and tanking for picks right now is, is just hard to hear. Cause it's like, you just, you just want your team to be like, all right, we're going through a rebuild. We've rebuilt. Let's go. Right. But retooling and, and all the things that you're doing, but I, it, it's hard because I, I, we said this and that was the joke and that's kind of why you laughed about it. But it was like, if you guys would have just like picked up a Georgiev, right. But instead yeah. of letting him go to fucking Colorado, because you know, he, he went to where he was offered and to go to the, at the time defending Stanley cup champions, I would have done it in a heartbeat, but it, it goes to show that like, I think he just needs a backup. That's going to help him out and help him win games. I mean, look at quick, right? Jonathan quick comes in, Far from grace of what he used to be, I would say, right? He, he's he's not the Jonathan Quick of old times, the legendary presence in the net that's scary, right? But now he's finding his stride in New York, and he looks just as good as Igor on some nights, like insanely. And you got to attribute that to coaching. You got to attribute that to the back end and helping him out. But 
he looks almost as good as Igor on some nights. And you're like, wow, this guy still has an incredible ceiling. Now, there are games that we win that he lets in a bunch of goals, but it, it, it can't be done. Again, it's a, it's a front on all ends. Everybody has to contribute to make this a better team and to make the overall team better. But it, it, it really comes down to that, that goalie thing, man. I, I, I just, the New York is lucky. And I know that Chicago is going to get there. And I think that you're there. You're halfway there. You just need a solid backup. Like you said, a Louis Domingue would be absolutely great. A guy who can sit and he's he's ready to go when he's called upon. Same thing. Quick is showing that he's that guy as well. You guys need that guy that can relieve your starter and still win games. Because, again, just having a starting goalie and just having an Allmark or a Sorokin or an Igor, that's not even enough anymore, right? Like your second goalie has to win games. And it doesn't matter if it's a back-to-back. It doesn't matter if it's a division rival or a shitty team, whatever it is. Because now you're seeing more things where it's like the schedule is getting so tough. You might play Igor against a division rival. And then you play Jonathan Quick against another team that you wish you started Igor in because the schedules are getting so rough. So you need that second depth of goalie. And I think that once you guys get that, that'll be another huge step for Chicago. Yeah. Like I said, man, we're, we're still a, a couple years away from, from even doing anything. You know, we're still building from the draft. We're probably going to build a lot in trade deadlines and extensions and free agencies and stuff like that. Now, there's one thing that I wanted to throw at you. And I know that, you know, you said that we're doing pretty decent on time. So I'm going to throw this at you and then I'm going to throw the grenade and I'm going to walk away. There had been the rumor mill circling um, about the possibility of a certain three time Stanley Cup, cha- three, four, three time Stanley Cup champion, um, hot dog eating champion, the man near and dear to our motherfucking hearts, Phil motherfucking Kessel and the possibility of him joining the Chicago Blackhawks. What do you think? Um, Kessel's the fucking goat. Kessel's the guy you're going to get a beer with. You're going to go down to the bar after the game and get a fucking beer with. Hey, Ke- honestly, don't tell the league. Kessel might be the guy you go get a beer with before the game. He seems like that guy, bro. He seems that chill. Like, I didn't know you were that chill, bro. Damn. Like, <laughs> but, Yo, you know, yeah, like. Tell me why you're right. Like, he's <laughs> over there cracking fucking Bud Lights as if he's in like an 11 o'clock, 11 p.m. beer league team. <laughs> Literally, like, Kessel's going to, like, slip a natty ice out of his sweater into your sweater and be like, shh, like, don't say anything, you know, like, but, yeah, you didn't hear this. You didn't see anything, bro. Like, no, I I definitely, that'd be cool, man. Look, look, honestly, let's, let's throw, let's throw everything out the window, right? What is Chicago right now? Team going through a rebuild. They got an amazing, prolific star who's going to grow into an amazing player. Like they said, is this kid the next kid? And it's like Connor Bedard. Is he Sidney Crosby? Like, I, I love that. I think that's hilarious because it's like he just got in the league, but at the same time, you're like, maybe. <laughs> like, honestly, maybe this kid might be the next kid. But uh, to, to add someone like that, just, just think about it. Okay. Fuck his whatever he would add to the team, like in an offensive, defensive, anything. Throw that out the window, right? How fun would it be to have him on your team? The morale would be so high. He would just be a fun dude to have. And honestly, at this point, right, if you're doing anything, have fun. It's a game. Have fucking fun. Exactly. Fucking exactly. Thank you for saying that. Because I think a lot of fan bases, like, really take away from the aspect of, like, this is a game. We need to have fun. Like, 
look, I'll be the first to admit it. Like, if I watch my team lose a game, of course, I'm a little bit like, oh, that fucking sucks. Now my mental is fucking shot. Breezy, you're fucking just as bad. Oh, as- yeah. I'm the worst. You're you're just as fucking bad. Like, and so it's, you know, I really feel like Connor Bedard, or not, not Connor, but Jesus, fuck. Phil Kessel to the Blackhawks makes sense. All right. You had that veteran presence in Corey Perry. Obviously, it didn't work out. So bring another piece of veterans veterancy in it. And maybe it's not the guy that every trip to the finals he took, he loses. Maybe it's the guy that every trip to the finals he takes, he wins. So it's, I could have been embellishing a little bit. I can, I honestly do not know his record as far as like as, as, as the Phil Kessel's rec- record, as far as like going to the Stanley cup and winning it in comparison to Corey Perry's going and losing. But, um, no, I just think it makes a lot of sense. I saw it circling last night, and I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to bring this up to Breezy off the fucking cuff tomorrow. Um, it was it was definitely circling a little bit last night, and I'm like, man, if he signs with the Hawks, that's going to be the first thing I buy is a motherfucking Phil Kessel Hawks jersey. And for the same reason that I bought, that I got a Marc-Andre Fleury Blackhawks jersey, because no one can take away the fact that they played in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, the glizzy globbler, bro, on the Hawks. So I, I ship it. Bro. Hey, Phil Kissel for president 2024. I'm voting for him. That's all I'm saying. 